Hello. Welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and in this episode of Call It Like I See It, we're going to discuss some things we saw in The Art of War, the classic military treatise by Sun Tzu. This text is probably one of the most widely read pieces in the history of the world. And while it's old, many of its teachings remain relevant and instructive today. So we wanted to take a look. Joining me today is a man who just took his shirt off and is talking about, does anybody else want to mess with Hollywood Cole? Tunde Ogonlana. Tunde, are you ready to tell the people how you like to handle yourself when things get crazy? Always, man. You just didn't tell me about this. I didn't shave my chest. (laughs) Now, we're recording this on August 17th, 2021. And we continue our culture series today by doing some reading between the lines in the Chinese military treatise, The Art of War. Now, The Art of War dates back to the 5th century BC and is attributed to Sun Tzu. And as the title suggests, it gets into different activities and know-how that may apply to successfully waging war. But over time, we've also seen that many of the concepts can, and strategies can be applied to other aspects in life. And so the, the applicability of a lot of what's taught here is, is more wide ranging uh, than just waging war. Now, I don't think we need a spoiler alert for a 2400 year old military text, but I'll give one and say, yeah, we, we are going to discuss, you know, the, the content of the book. And so this podcast will contain spoilers. But to get us started, Tunde, just general thoughts on the book. You know, what, what would stand out? What would you, the first thing you would say would stood out to you or, or something like that? Uh, the word pragmatism comes to mind. Interesting. Um, yeah, I just, uh, it's a very, uh, so what stands out is actually one of the things is how kind of short and concise it is. Um, Having um, uh, heard of this book for a large, you know, most of my adult life, let's say, uh, I, I thought it would be some great, you know, uh, it's, it's just just big, big, huge treaties, you know, like 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 um, um, like the Bible nations. or something, yeah, like, like the wealth long. of nations, you know, one of yeah. these huge kind of things with all these volumes of, of of text and you know all these different strategies and all that. And that's what impressed me about it was that it was just short and sweet and just very pragmatic. And kind of just a rational way of um, looking at tactics and and dealing with situations. I'd say that's maybe the best way for me to put it. Just yeah. dealing with situations. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. in this case, it's battle, but you could apply this um, to other areas of life as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I the, it, the, the fact that it's concise stood out to me as well. But I'd say for me, the the thing that it was was most notable was how it involved a lot of self. Uh, analysis. And a lot of times when we think about accomplishing anything, or if, if you're thinking about war and military, or you're thinking about your own life, uh, we think about the hurdles we want to overcome. The focus oftentimes is outwardly directed on the actual hurdle or, or even you know on the terrain or whatever. But it's rarely directed internally in terms of, okay, well, what, what do I need to do within myself or about myself to make me suited to leap over this hurdle, to, to accomplish this. And so with this book, almost, and I mean, in this, I probably you could say is gets into the pragmatic aspect, but it's, it seems to be an overlooked aspect of it, uh, at least in the West, where I, I like the fact that I was encouraged and it was very insightful to me 
to see how Sun Tzu oftentimes, when he's talking about something that needs to be accomplished, the first look is, or at least a, a primary look is, okay, well, what about yourself? Are you ready to do this? Are you suited to do this? Are you in a, are, is your military force able, you know, are, do they, are they capable of accomplishing what you want them to accomplish? Don't start trying to set out to do things you're not capable of doing. And so to me, that was, that was just, it's different than I see oftentimes uh, just in, in the, the, my interactions with people and my observations of things that, that inward look to begin. Yeah, no, it's uh it's a, it's, that's what makes it a great read is like you're saying, it's a, it, it forces one to have to look inward, um, which I guess, you know, some people can't do, right? So some people probably will read this and get nothing out of it. Um, but I think for those that are looking um, to not only learn just, you know, generally about this stuff, whether you think in tactics or, or, or strategy or B even, I, I wouldn't call this necessarily like a motivational book or something that I would look at <laughs> as self-help. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be like, give this to somebody who I think needs a little lift up and say, hey man, check this out. This might give you some ideas just in that way. Um, but I would say if you were in going that direction with things, you know, besides the Tony Robbins and the, you know, the Stephen Coveys and those kind of, I'm just naming a few of these authors, you know, that are yeah. known for, um, for, for kind of the, um, more positive no, side, of, yeah, 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 self help and the psychology stuff. You know, maybe after getting a few of, through a few of those first and getting some direction with other things in in your life, this kind of book might help then to help pragmatize and 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 solidify the direction you want to go. Maybe that's a better way for me to put it. Well, yeah. Well, this book is th those books come out like more spell it out for you. Yeah. This is more abstract, and so and and just to make the to to, to be clear. Uh, the the book doesn't suggest that you only look inside, you know. It, but it, that that expressly includes as far as looking at what you're trying to accomplish in the that hurdle, looking at the terrain around that, but then also looking at yourself like that. That it expressly included that in kind of the analysis of the circumstances and you know, seeing what what can work. But yeah, they this book, yeah, you wouldn't start with this necessarily because it doesn't spell out in as great a detail the steps that you yourself would need to take. It's more of a mental framework that you probably could get more out of after you've read some of those other books, because the, then the things that have been spelled out for you, you could then probably conceptualize and, and say, okay, I get why they're saying I should do this and I should do that. It's based on this kind of a principle. So it can, it, it almost can fill in some of the logic behind all of that express laid out here, do this, do this, do don't do that type of thing. Uh, because, I mean, something that's been around this long, you know, people have been around a long time. And, you know, this type of uh, this type of a treatise is gives you an insight into how people were looking at things or, you know, in particular military strategy 2400 years ago. Uh, but there's things to be learned from that as far as the modern times. And there's things that may not directly apply anymore, or at least in the context they spoke of. Maybe the logic applies, but the actual the approach itself may not apply anymore. So all of that stuff, you know, as, as you're reading, what it does, I think, is just it, it increases the depth of your conception as far as some of these things. It, it gives you more kind of background as to why you may be seeing some of the things you're seeing. And it can, if, if you get to a certain point, it can help you make decisions on how you want to proceed. Yeah. Another so, thing that uh, it requires is a lack of delusion. Um, <laughs> and I say that in a serious way that... Um, 
because you like we talked about you have to also look inward um and really assess what you're doing in the situation as well and how you are approaching you know the opponent so to speak so on and so forth and um and also in in not being deluded by what you see from the opponent either um and so that'll be yeah, some of the things of i know the, we'll get and, into. and part of the strategy actually is to try to encourage your opponent into delusion into Correct, thinking yeah the that exactly. you are that like make your opponent think you're weak when you're strong, you know, type of thing it is the type of principle that, that is touched on. I want to get into some, some specifics, though. What was a section that stood out? I know you had mentioned the, the first section stood out to you, which is uh, called laying plans. Uh, what, what was what stood out to you in that? Well, it's a good segue because um, kind of the, the when, when I mentioned delusion, I mean, that's what I was thinking of in terms of your own delusion and looking at. Uh, in terms of yourself and your abilities, and then maybe not being deluded about the opponent, because what stuck out to me getting into that section um, was was uh, I guess uh, part eighteen of of that of that first section, laying plans, which is all where all warfare is based on deception. Mm-hmm. So if you understand that, that means you have to have some certain level of deception on your side in terms of how you operate and what you allow the opponent or the outside world to see, and then. You have to understand that at least a skilled opponent will be trying to do the same thing to you. So that's what I'm saying about not being deluded on either internal or external uh, yeah. views of things. And so then there was just a couple others from there that stood out. Um, one was, you know, hold out baits to entice the enemy, feign disorder and crush him. So that's an example of, you know, um, the deception part of it that, it, that if you hold out a few nuggets um, and you kind of make it look like you're a little bit disordered, disorganized, um, then obviously you're going to draw in your opponent maybe to make an attack at a time where they shouldn't, so to speak. Um, but then there's a couple more that to me stuck out. If he is secure in all points, be prepared for him. If he is in superior strength, evade him. That's a very, that's the one that made me think about the internal, you know, if, if that requires one to check their own ego. Yeah. Because a lot of people can't evade someone, you yeah. know, they, they, their ego won't allow them. They got to fight. They got to, they got to push. And I started making me think about certain historic battles that, you know, I've, I've read and, 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 and researched uh, over time. And, you know, one, one, um, uh, figure that everyone knows of who was very, um, uh, bad at this <laughs> at, at, at point 21 about evasion was Adolf Hitler. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of stories of him, you know, basically, uh, threatening death to any Germans that surrendered in certain battles when they looked like they definitely were losing. And instead of allowing his troops to retreat and regroup, you know, he sent them into, um, you know, basically their death, and which means he had less people to fight uh, as the war progressed. And eventually, you know, a war of attrition uh, is real at some point. So, Well, and also that, which I'll get into in a second, that would also lessen the his troops faith in him the the ones that remain you know like seeing that type of callousness or that type of error would lessen their own resolve amongst their troops which which yeah and talked about in the book but in in several sections and that also would lead then the ability to help and convert i know an area that that we can get into later which would be then you can create spies out of them and other things right if they're disgruntled so there's a lot of these like one thing can lead to another which overall could win the entire campaign so to speak um, and so just two more I got um, in here was, um, if your opponent is of choleric temper, seek to irritate him, pretend to be weak, that he may grow arrogant. I thought that's a great one 
not only for war and battle, but I think in today's world where so many people are like at, at, at a knife's edge with their stress and their, and their kind of the way they operate. So again, if in a more, not on a battlefield, but in a personal situation, if, if, if you are dealing in an office or some sort of environment where someone is hot temper or things like that, you know, again, understanding how to deal with that. If you, you know, <laughs> if you can push their button, so to speak, um, or if you want to pretend to be weak so that they grow arrogant and they make a, a, a bad move first, those kind of things, those are very important. And then the, the last one for me in this section was attack him where he's unprepared, appear where you are not expected. And what that got me thinking of was the last probably, you know, 12 years or so of cyber espionage between the big nations. So I'm thinking of the, the major Chinese hack um, where they got a lot of our secrets. I think it was back in 2011 or so. Um, then you've got things like what happened in the run up to the 2016 election with the use of social media platforms by, um, not only Russians, but others, uh, looking to disrupt the narrative here in our, in our democracy. So I, I look at that as an area where most may, like, let's just say we weren't as a nation really prepared to defend ourselves from major cyber attacks. And so that's where, Whereas Countries. we would have been if somebody would have uh, tried to bring a bunch of ships to our shore, correct? And, That's what I was, you know, start invading or something like that. Yeah, and that, that was a good. That would attack us where we were strong, as opposed to where we were weak. Yeah, and that's what I was saying is that it's a good example of how you know we can be complacent, and the fact that you're right, we were used to nation states fighting with tanks and ships and and planes and all that, and on a on a shoestring budget, someone can really disrupt us using the internet, right? So those are those are things that kind of stuck out to me with laying plans that um for me that I mm -hmm. would say, I mean no no before we leave this section, um actually the the overall framework of this section was what really I thought it set a good stage for the book. Um the in in this section, you know, he he actually and this is at the very beginning, he talks about the art of war being governed by five factors. And these are constant factors, factors that can that, that are always going to be present, but can change in terms of what is going on with them at the moment. And you got moral law, what he calls moral law, what he calls heaven, earth, the commander and method and discipline. Now, just briefly, the, the moral law is kind of alignment amongst the people, you know, with their leadership, with their, their ruler, so to speak. Heaven is like the seasons, you know, like the, or the, the weather type of thing. Earth is like the, the you know, the, the ground, like the terrain that you're on. Um, the commander is like the, the leadership that like literally the, the, the character of the leadership and then method and discipline is like the organization of the, of the enterprise, so to speak. But the one in there that I think is oftentimes, well, what we see, I would say in, in, in our democratic system of government is more, the moral law part was very interesting to me because talking about alignment amongst the, 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 the people in a society with the leadership of the society. So everybody's kind of on the same page and how that is one of the five things that is very, and, and, which would make sense, but that's very important in accomplishing things, whether it be war or whatever. And what it made me think about is how oftentimes you only really have that, at least in our society, in this free and open society, uh, where you don't just have an iron-fisted ruler that can take out people who don't agree with them or who's not in line with them, but do so maybe in a way that everybody else stays on board or stays in line. But 
It's only after we're attacked or after there's some tragic circumstance, like not after 9-11 is what it stuck out to me is that there was a, 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 a substantial alignment then more so than I'd ever seen uh, myself, you know, it, 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 when I was alive amongst the people the, everybody was aligned in terms of something had to be done. This was unacceptable. And so, you know, like we look to the leadership, hey, what is the right response here? And then the, the leader, as long as the leadership was doing things that were tangentially related, people were willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and get on board and, and, and be full force behind it. And so that was very powerful, you know, to see that. And in, in that case, it may have been misused to an extent, but the power of that, and you can, if you look further back beyond our lifetimes, then you're looking back at something like Pearl Harbor, where everyone gets aligned on this, you know, on this mindset, like, okay, we, this happened to us. We all feel together at this time. We, and together with each other, together with our leadership, and then how the leadership responds, generally speaking, people, as long as it's, again, tangentially related, it, people are going to be on board with it. So the power of that, you know, is something oftentimes I think that's, it, it, whether it's overlooked or whether it's something because it's so hard to marshal, like you don't want to have bad things happen just so you can respond in a unified way. But the power of that oftentimes I think is, is something that we just, we don't, we're not able to tap into on demand, so to speak. So it's a, we're almost always going into situations where we're kind of one hand tied behind our back because half of the people or, or a third of the people are complaining about this and complaining about that. And people are always going to complain about stuff no matter what, you know, it, it, I guess, unless there's a tragic event that preceded it. Yeah. And I think that's, therein lies probably the dilemma, um, which I don't think is ever going to be solved unless we as humans evolve a way out of it, which ain't going to happen in our lifetime. Um, uh, therein lies the problem between, I think, open and freer societies like ours that allow for things like freedom of speech um, and difference of opinions versus, let's say, a more closed society or authoritarian society like, let's say, China or North Korea. Because you're right, North Korea got a lot of enthusiasm behind the leader, but that's at, you know, whether whether literally or figuratively at the, at the end of the barrel of a gun, you know what I mean? Uh, whereas the, um, you know, our society doesn't have the same authoritarian force to, to love the leader or to, um, or to force people to love the country in that, in a certain way. Um, so we have to deal with, you know, a bunch of competing and different interests and, and, and ideas. So it takes usually, I think in our, our type of societies, some sort of tragic event or painful or shocking event for us to just recognize that, that kind of solidarity. That so. yes, that's true. But it also, I think, it, it gives you a lower floor and a higher ceiling for that kind of moral law, so to speak, because people also still feel invested. And so you've, because we've seen in some scenarios in history where the leadership gets attacked or the nation gets attacked, and the people are like, ah, eh, the leadership is that's their issue. That's not our issue as people. And so in this, in in this type of setup where the people feel some level of ownership and in an open society, a free and open society, when there is attack, people do feel like they're attacked. It, it, they personalize it to an extent that may not happen in a more top-down authoritarian setup. But, you know, it's one of those things that like that, that's kind of the gift and the curse, so to speak. Uh, you know, like you can marshal more uh, Marshal more goodwill and, and energy in times of crisis, but in those uh, the, the times of in, in normal times, it's very difficult to get people on the same page. So it can, you know, it, it as with most things, there, there's pros and cons to it. 
Um, but recognizing that actually you would hope that our leadership uh, at, at any given moment would be aware that they're probably going to have to make un- under normal circumstances, make extra effort to get people aligned and on the same page, because that's going to be, that's going to play a big role in whether they can succeed or fail in whatever endeavor they're setting out. Yeah. So I, I wanted to move on to, to another section. You, you had also pointed out that the, the attack by stratagem section would, was interesting to you, what, what stood out. What, 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 did you, what were you thinking on that one that, that you wanted to speak on? Just, uh, just the, kind of the, the title speaks for itself, right? It's attack by stratagem, just the use of strategic planning and thinking uh, to, to accomplish one's goals. So, and um, I'll, I'll get through a couple of these quickly. One was um, just this idea of actually winning a war, winning a fight without actually fighting. So, um, you know, I'll quote him here, hence to fight and conquer in all your battles is not supreme excellence. Supreme excellence consists in breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. And another here, um, section six, therefore the skilled, the skillful leader subdues the enemy's troops without any fighting. He captures their cities without laying siege to them. He overthrows their kingdom without lengthy operations in the field. My point is, is that, you know, again, one would think that, okay, this great um, uh, strategic, you know, general of strategy, you would, you know, a lot of people I think would think that, oh, it's all about just busting someone's head open and, and blowing things up and just all this kinetic energy of, of, of fighting a war. And what he's telling us here, again, this kind of pragmatism is, is, is trying to coach one to say the, the best thing actually is not to, to, to get to that point is to try and win the, the, the campaign before you have to do go to that level. Well, tuned so, in. Mm-hmm. I, I, you, you definitely uh, took the right message because the first line in this, uh, in this strategy is in the practical art of war. Yeah. <laughs> like the, 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 it talks about the best thing is to, to take an con- enemy's country whole, you know, and attack, yeah. you know. And then, but yeah, like it's a practical thing. It's pragmatic. It's, but go ahead. And and just say little things, and then I'll, I'll pass the baton. Like he who he he will win who knows when to fight and when not to fight. That's what I mean. Like it's just such a simple, you know, and it's such a a, 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 a an amazing, just simplistic way, and and so real. Um, he will win who has military capacity and is not interfered by the sovereign. I thought that was a great reminder of like our country's separation of military and civilian power and leadership in terms of decision-making. Um, and then there's examples, again, uh, in history where um, the leader of a country, usually a dictator, uh, could not keep his hands off the military strategy. And I think a, in at least post <laughs> the, 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 the year 1900, I think 100% of those have failed. So, so it was interesting. And then the last one to me that stood out was a f- more famous line uh, that many people have heard quoted in various movies and, and things is if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. So it's just, again, this idea of with deep, deep intelligence, knowledge, and and then planning, one can accomplish a goal without worrying really about the outcome or the consequence, or I shouldn't say consequence, but at least the outcome of, of, of the engagement because- well, And the part should, of that, remember, is that because uh, he, he continues there, if you know yourself and not the enemy- then you know you're kind of 50 50 yep. and if you know 
the enemy and not yourself. You're kind of 50-50. So he, he breaks it down, you know, in that sense. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. But that was, that's a great follow-up. And, and, and I'll hand a baton back to you for this section because that's, that's what I had. And, and that's exactly where it stuck out is that, and just with that, that last point that you mentioned, that um, if you know yourself and know the enemy, in a sense, and really study and are deep about that, you don't have to worry about your victory. It's already sealed. But like well, you said, you maximize your chances. Yeah, correct. But like you said, is if 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 either side of that, if I know myself, but I don't know my enemy, if I know my enemy, but I don't know myself, all that, then you have issues. Yeah. So again, it's it's again, these are things that um, uh, to me are are great because they're not just about being in a battlefield. You know, these are these are things we can use in our in our day to day life as well. I mean, because that basically what he's saying in a lot of these is that once you hit the battlefield. 95% of the, the decision of who's going to win has already been, is already done. You know, like hey, you have very little control over what's going to actually happen at that point. Um, there's some control, but it's a little like it, the, the times leading up to the battlefield are oftentimes more determinative of the outcome than the times actually spent on the battlefield. And so, yeah. And, and in this, along those lines, you know, he, he lays out five essentials for victory. No, who, who he who knows when to fight and when not to fight. He who knows how to handle both superior and inferior forces. He uh, whose army is animated by the same spirit throughout the ranks. Again, that that level of solidarity amongst within the the troops. Um, he who has prepared himself but waits for his enemy to be unprepared, and then he who has uh, who, whose military capacity. And is not interfered with by the sovereign. So that gets into the point you were saying as far as how you don't want the political or uh, the, the, the regular leadership screwing around too much with the military leadership because the military leadership, that's what they do. And, you know, they're they're preparing is assuming competence on their part. They're preparing uh, in ways to attack along where I should say they're preparing in ways that are trying to account for these things. They have knowledge of, of their own forces. They have knowledge of the enemy. And so if somebody just tries to dabble in or jump in and say, hey, we got to do this or we got to do that. You can take people down uh, the, or, or take your own troops down the wrong way. And laying out those factors, though, again, those factors, it, uh, essential keys to victory, those are not things that are really done on the battlefield. You know, those are the circumstances surrounding how you attack. And so... And we're going to later on uh, apply some of these and we're, we're going to look at a, a, a recent article or a, a, a kind of a, a post that discusses how you can apply these in your life. And this is this is another one of those where looking at the surroundings, the circumstances that are relevant to whatever you're trying to do, a lot of times that's going to determine your success or your fail failure much more so than when you actually sit down and try to do whatever it is that you're doing. And so, I mean, I, that, again, it, it's a similar theme, but there are several of these several, several themes, excuse me, of these similar themes that run throughout in parallel throughout this uh, treatise. Uh, so, all right, well, look, moving on, I, I want to keep us moving. Uh, mm -hmm. So moving to the next section, uh, the last section you, that you wanted to discuss in, in, in detail uh, was the section entitled weak points and strong. Yep. So what would you have in that one that you wanted to, 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 to hit on? Just uh, some more of these kind of, um, you know, the, I think the the idea of, of of actually reflecting on on your own behavior and and disciplining yourself. So, um, 
you know, like, for example, I'll just quote one of the pieces here. Um, in making tactical dispositions, the highest pitch you can attain is to conceal them. Um, conceal your dispositions and you'll be safe from the prying of the subtlest spies from the machinations of the wisest brains. So again, it's, it's, it's about a little bit about the deception side. You know, you've got to conceal things and, and, and kind of, again, that has to do with how you behave, not about how someone else behaves, for example. Um, and so, and then the last one I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll put here. There's a, obviously a few here that, yeah, that stuck out oh, to yeah. me, but, um, Military tactics are like unto water, for for water in its natural course runs away from high places and hasten downward. So in war, the way to avoid what is strong and to, sorry, so in war, the way is to avoid what is strong and to strike at what is weak. So again, um, and then he Stole gets into mine. Yeah, and and <laughs> and he gets into a few others um, after that about how water forms a shape like it's like it's um like its environment, and that's how you got to be um you know as as a tactical thinker. Yeah. Um, and he um he goes into also things like do not repeat the tactics which have gained you one victory, but let your methods be regulated by infinite variety. So again, don't hey, be that the general was my backup. Yeah, don't be <laughs> the general now. that uh, that fought the last war. So so that's why I like this 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 section because it kind of has. Again, there's this kind of idea of let me look internally and let me chisel away at my own imperfections because if I can refine myself and my behavior, then I'm, I'm going to be in a better position to deal with the outside world in a sense. And so, you know, we, we can take that theme or that idea and, and extrapolate it in so many different areas of life. So yeah. that's why that one stuck out to me. No, I mean, this one is – this was a good one. I mean, this one actually – went into more now and if you, you can take it almost in a parabolic sense but this went into more like advice in a sense and yeah, yeah I, I really liked the, the 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 water one that you cited uh as far as you know, like looking at your military tactics but it could be any any kind of thing you know is you you, you the course the natural course of water as you watch water go down so, uh, whatever go flow water flows to where the, the the openings are so to speak. It, water doesn't force its way through something that, that there's no opening. So I found that to be very instructive. You know, in terms of being flexible, being aware of your surroundings, and then as if you're trying to keep moving forward or try trying to keep moving, it might not always be a straight shot. Sometimes you might have to to bend a little bit with the terrain, and, and you know you keep keep that motion, but it's not going to be directly as you would you know the the, the the straight line, you know, direct point between point A and point B. It may not be that. Yeah. And so, you know, with that, though, I thought that two like practical pieces of advice that were kind of back to back in the middle were, and this is similar. This is, you know, it's, it's a similar kind of way to put that. But you can be sure of succeeding in your attacks if you only attack places that are undefended. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then yeah. <laughs> you can ensure the safety of your defense if you only hold positions that cannot be attacked. And that is, you know, like it, it seems simple, but oftentimes, you know, it, it's that's something that that is very, very, very helpful to if you're it, it, in any type of situation. I look at even what I do as far as uh, with um if I'm in litigation or dealing with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office and just having a, you know, and it, not necessarily, it doesn't always have to be adversarial, but just where I'm arguing a position and someone else is arguing another position, I'm always careful to not take arguments that I know I, like if, if, if somebody points, pushes at the right things, I can't defend. 
So I'm always looking for ways to to how can I make, take a position that cannot really be attacked and then make all the focus on that position as opposed to anything else that may be going on. Or if I'm going to attack the other side, try to attack them in a place that they cannot defend. And so, you know, there may be four areas that I could attack and a couple of them, you know, they would have pretty good defenses and a couple of them they won't. I may raise them all, but I'll really bring all the attention to the ones that they can't attack. And so it's it's interesting to see that in this book and expressly laid out because that is, I mean, it seems simple, but when you're in the heat of something, a lot of times, if you don't take a step back and think from a strategic standpoint, you may end up banging your head against and attacking places where someone is strong over and over again, and then wondering why you're not getting the movement that you would want because your str- your attacks may be very strong, but they're defend- you're attacking someplace that they can defend well. So it, it's just something to keep in mind, you know, as, yeah. as you deal with, I mean, and that, again, that's something that can be applied to, and we're going to get into this here in a second, but to your day-to-day life. If you want to, yeah. you know, not, uh, if you want to stop snacking late at night, you know, like it, 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 it's one thing to just say, hey, I'm, I just want to stop doing it. And so I'm going to not do it anymore. That is very, that's a difficult position to defend if you got snacks sitting in the cupboard, you know? And so it becomes a much easier place to defend if you have to if you take affirmative steps again before the 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 desire for the snack strikes you once the once the desire for the strike snack strikes you and that then you're in the battle and if if you haven't taken preparations before that then your chances of succeeding you know are 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 reduced as to if you would have taken steps before that to um you know like if you were to take a steps before that to make it so that it's easier for you to to win that battle when it comes up by like removing the snacks or something like that. So it's it's just very interesting to me to to see how those type of strategies can be expressed 2400 years ago from a military context but then also be very 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 relevant and specific and specific, you know, like very specific in terms of that today. Yeah, well, you know how I say it. If you believe in humanity and human beings, then is it twenty four hundred years ago or today? It's the same same things that make us tick. So I thought um, you were going to say sometimes human being or people are human beings too. Well, sometimes but, they are. But, <laughs> sometimes, um, but um, <laughs> but that's why that's why I was joking earlier about until we evolution changes us as a species. You know, like we evolve into something other way of behaving. Um, that's why I joked to say it's not going to be in our lifetime. Then this this book is going to be maintain its relevancy. I'm pretty sure, um, and I'm pretty sure that's why certain um, great literature pieces have maintained their relevancy for very long periods of time. Because in the end, it all this stuff kind of is the same once you really look at it, like you're talking about through thirty thousand feet. Like you're saying, you know, we're reading about a guy that wrote a book called The Art of War that really lays it out in in uh, tactical, strategic, uh, termed military terms, but you just made an example of how it can be applied in, in one's personal life, the same concepts. And I think one thing that I get out of it is even hearing you speak about some of these things is really it's about regulating your own emotional state. That's really the key. It's like when you give the example about how you might go in on a legal case, it's just that, you know, one attorney may discipline their emotional state and us and, 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 
and and not go for the shiny object argument at first or something, you know, have a strategy of how they're coming into the courtroom and, and battling. And the other one doesn't or just has a totally different one where their emotional state made them go for the certain argument first. And when they go both get in front of the courtroom and, and, and have it out, one's going to win and one's not. And the same things go into things like being prepared with your case. Um, one that I want to give an honorable mention that didn't make the list, but I think it was important was the, the last chapter on the use of spies. Mm. So I could see in your world, right, of, of being in a court case, information being extremely important and the, the attorney and the, and, and, the, and the side with more information than the other probably having a victory. You know, you look in my world and in kind of the capital markets, obviously having information. Um, that's why there's all these rules about insider trading. Yeah, I was going to joke, actually, in your world, having extra information may be illegal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's a reason. That's the whole point, right? Is that <laughs> it gives you an unfair edge against against everyone else in, in, in a public market. So, so yeah, these, they're actually trying to level the playing field to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that it's an example where, um, you know, we could say, okay, the use of spies and use the word spy, like, you know, like you have to be so kind of um, like there's a sexiness to it. Right. But in reality, it's not about the word or, or spy. It's really about intelligence. Right. That's why they call them intelligence agencies. It's about getting information first being first to the one with information so you can make moves before others can and that's really that's what i mean whether it's uh espionage between two nations or whether it's trying to just get information about a company that's on the public markets before ever everyone else does so you can be ahead of the game it's yeah. it's kind of all the same that's what i mean in well terms yeah of it's the, it's a it is a threshold matter because in the same way that if you are Sun Tzu gets into if you have the larger force, it's time to attack. If you have the smaller force, you have to try to avoid the attack. But information is the same kind of thing. If you you want to be at the information surplus, you want to know you want to have more information than the person you're dealing with or the people that you're you're going against, so to speak. And so that's you know that's kind of that that gives you an advantage. The reason why in the capital markets they try to outlaw that is because they want a laying playing field because they know having more information, having insight into certain things that everybody else doesn't have gives you an advantage. Like that's the yeah. point. So, yeah, I mean, that, that one obviously is, is one that is uh, very instructive. He finishes the book with that one and you're kind of left with that. And, you know, yeah, it was one that, you know, is I think everyone, anyone can appreciate because even if you're dealing with relationships, you're dealing with anything, having more information is always going to give you an advantage provided as you kind of indicated that you can maintain your mental state with that information. Like some people, you have too much information and you become the blabbermouth or you give away your advantage <laughs> or something like that, or you don't know how to be disciplined to take advantage of that information. But ultimately those could be your own unforced errors. that could cause that. Um, but I do want to transition us to talking about more explicitly. I gave one example or a couple examples already, but uh, I wanted to ask you about areas where these type of lessons, whether it's stuff we talked about in depth already or anything else in the book, you saw uh, that can play into how you live your day-to-day -day life or improve your day-to-day -day life. You did send me uh, a piece from a, a guy named James Clear uh, where he talked about how to use military strategy to build better habits and specifically cited Sun Tzu. But the exercise, so to speak, is not one that it was is limited to one person. Like anybody can look at these and say, okay, th this is the type of, this is the way I can try to set myself up for success in whatever my endeavor is by using 
this type of an approach, so to speak. Yeah. No, it was a, it's yeah, a lot of uh, interesting kind of gems in this in this piece um, that are all just like the book itself uh, of of the art of war, very pragmatic, and they all make sense once you once you um, kind of see them. So you know, he gives an example of of just like Sun Tzu that don't tr- you know don't attack where the enemy's strong. This this um, Mr. Clear is talking about in this article about fighting our bad habits, whatever that bad habit might be. Like you said, for some people, it might be snacking late at night. Others, it might be smoking cigarettes. Others might be, you know, leaving the TV on at night or whatever. Um, So it says, we fight our battles directly and attack the enemy. In this case, our bad habits at the point where they are strongest. And then he goes on, he cites a few examples. And the part I liked here was he says, um, in many cases, however, failure is not a result of, of poor willpower, but a result of poor strategy. And that stuck out to me because I think, you know, we've been conditioned, I think most of us just on the planet, uh, that a lot of things that if you do them, what are considered by society wrong, like let's go back to your example of snacking late at night and then someone becomes obese, right? People look at that as, okay, that's kind of almost like a moral failure. This person is weak, you know, they just eat too much or they, yeah. they, they're not disciplined, they don't exercise. But, and that's my point, like this guy gives you a chance to say, you know, failure is not a result of poor willpower. I'm a bad person, right? Don't, you know, I've seen overweight people that are awesome in business or other areas of life. Clearly they have the ability to, to be effective um, in certain things, but it's a result of poor strategy. And I think that's a much be. more. It could be. I mean, like, there's, be, yeah. yeah, like that's something to consider as well, particularly if you want to try to address uh, the issue you should, as we started off with, you should look at yourself as well. Okay. Well, am I approaching this in a, in a way that's, that's causing me to not succeed? And so, yeah, strategy yeah, and, would be that. And and that's what got me thinking about. So in your personal life, how you could, um, use some of these uh, ideas personally would be, okay, you know, pick your battles, for example, right? Like I might look at myself and say, wow, I do this I, I, I have this habit, I have this habit, I have this habit. If I try and attack all at once, maybe I'll just wear myself out and I'll give up. So maybe I, I, I want to pick what, what in my life that I want to maybe address and, and let me just start focusing on that one or maybe two if I can. Um, and then and also ideally, I, ideally doing it by you know, like the, the way water would do it. Find the weaker ones, start yeah. plucking those off. And then as you pluck some of those off, then as you get going downhill more, you may be more able to overcome some of the harder ones. Yeah, and that's a great example of how they all kind of do flow together, right? Yeah. It's not one is not um, distinct from all the others, um, and that and that got me thinking too. What the gentleman speaks here in the article is is kind of controlling the environment. So again, to your point about the snacking late at night. So if I want to do that, meaning if I want to stop snacking late at night, probably continuing to go out and buy big bags of potato chips and and certain things that are going to be continue to keep me attracted to snacking isn't good. So I need to change my environment, which means let me maybe change how I, you know, what my cupboard looks like in that example. Yeah. And in many other examples, you know, if you want to start, stop drinking alcohol or something, we'll stop going to the bar or yeah. hanging Being out around with a bunch of people who look like yeah, they're having that, a great time drinking alcohol. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that leads into too, the emotional state, because maybe then I'm saying, I don't want to give up my relationships with my friends. So therefore, emotionally, I can't pull away from that group or that setting. Or maybe some people can, and they say, you know what, I got to cut this group off. 
And maybe some people talk to their friends and say, I'm trying to stop drinking. You know, I want to make this change. I can't hang out with you at a bar, but I can hang out with you over here. And if the friend replies in a way that is negative, they may run back to that friend. Oh, okay. Well, I won't, I won't stop going to the bar. So again, it, it goes, it goes back into this idea that it really comes from our inward self and our ability to control and discipline ourselves. Um, that's, that's what yeah, makes I mean, well, it that's, very yeah, interesting. That's where it has to start. You know, that's what has to start. And you know, like that's oftentimes where you can exert the greatest degree of control and where you, we talked about the, the in- intelligence where you are able to gather the greatest amount of information is about yourself. And so that, well, let me, let me go here though. As you say that just to, just to stop and to keep going is, um, that's where I think the, the risk of delusion comes in with a lot of, course, of people though, of when you're looking inwardly. So, well, it does. It certainly does. But I mean, that's what you kind of need to be able to overcome if you want to make the real progress, because the delusion way may feel good, but it will be a barrier to your progress because that actually hides information from you. Information that otherwise information that otherwise would be readily available to you without the delusion. You 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 almost your brain hides it from yourself to preserve you know a feel good you know or or, or a psychic you know sense that you you know the feeling that you have. You know, so it's it could be very dangerous in that sense. But no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, because you actually helped me with that last little bit. You said um, that uh, being married is a great uh, way to <laughs> detract from that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about how many times I've been pointed out where my faults are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. My ego is definitely crushed and shattered after all these years of marriage. That's for sure. <laughs> But you know what? You know, it's an interesting uh, joke with that. But, you know, it's an interesting um, thing that I heard when I was like in my early 20s before I was married. But I've never forgotten it because being married has proven to me it's correct. And it said that and they didn't talk about just marriage. They said a relationship, really. So I guess any kind of intimate relationship, they said relationships are really a mirror that's being held up you to yourself. Yeah. And I never, I, I thought about that after being married for a few years and, 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 and hearing certain things I was doing wrong and thinking, you know, like, wow, maybe that was true. <laughs> this is a reflection of myself. <laughs> so, we're, so we're doing this all wrong, then. We need to get Sabrina on here to yeah, talk about definitely, you. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're hearing you talk about you. No, it's like, hold on, we're getting, we're getting the delusion. I'm already like sweating and getting nervous here. We're just thinking about this. <laughs> just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. We need, we'll get the audience. Sabrina will tell us about Sunday. But, See, no, but I mean, that would end the whole show thing because then the <laughs> audience would have nothing left to like ponder about me. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All many layers would yeah. be all. They, they, hey, they treat me like I, I looked at the, the this book we're talking about when I, was, I realized it was so short. You know, I was like, damn, <laughs> I thought this thing would be like a big volumes of stuff. <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't. <laughs> Brings her on here and give away all my secrets, you know, all, all three of them. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. So, no, I, I think that in, in this, you know, the, in this piece that, that James Clear did, but also just in general, looking at how these types, again, how these types of points or elements can be applied to your own life really comes down to looking at when they say war, it's really about how to approach accomplishing something. You know, and, and war, war allows you to focus it in on specific things because we all view war, at least up until, you know, cyber warfare, we all viewed war kind of in a similar context with men, with manpower, 
with weaponry and with trying to take positions or hold positions and so forth. And so, but those kind of concepts, there are like, if, if you apply it more abstractly, you can find analogies in bad habits or in trying to accomplish something from a career standpoint, like you can find analogies and all that. And what this piece that we're, we're talking about here, and I'll put it in the show notes, what that does kind of like when we talked earlier about self-help books, what they do is just kind of make it express for you. Whereas in Sun Tzu's uh, Art of War, it's more abstract. You then have to take the extra step to then say, okay, well, what, how would I then, what, what's the analogy for the, the spy here or the intelligence gathering? What's the analogy for the, the troops or what's the analogy for trying to take the position or trying to defend a position? You have to apply those analogies yourself. Whereas what, what basically when you look at the self-help aspect, whether it's interpreting Sun Tzu or anything, is they're just telling you directly. There's no, there's very little interpretation that's required on your part, which is nice. You know, like that's nice. You can either go direct to the source and do the own interpretation, or you can have said, Hey, tell me, you know, interpret this for me as far as what, how I can apply this to my life directly. And, you know, so either way works, you know, the, the, the effort I think is what can really make it something that works. Yeah. So, um, you know, we can think we can wrap it from here, man. So I, I want to appreciate it or tell everybody we appreciate everybody for, for joining us. Yeah. And, and I, I just want to jump in, too, and say thank you. I won't name him because I didn't ask his permission. But um, we had a listener that um, sent us about two weeks ago a, an idea for a topic, which actually was an article about a war game um, that our military had done. So that we decided as 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 we got into this that um, we'd always wanted to do something on Sun Tzu. So we decided to kind of marry the two ideas. So I just wanted to thank the listener because I know he'll be listening to this. And um, want to just, uh, all, all the other listeners, we welcome uh, that type of input and feedback for I- ideas and show topics. So just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because you can always uh, reach out uh, through direct message on on Twitter, uh, call it DN is our handle and you can follow us there. We'll give you updates on episodes and so forth. And, uh, and you can find me with a carrier pigeon. <laughs> I don't, if do, you're all lucky. That. If I, you're I don't lucky. do all that tech. Yeah. If, if I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, but no, we, again, we appreciate everybody for joining us on this episode of call it like I see it. And until next time, I'm James keys. I'm tuned to Lana. All right. Subscribe, rate, review, and, and yeah, definitely uh, rate us. Give us a rate us on. If you listen on Apple, give us a rating. We appreciate that. And we'll talk to you next time.